Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to the Daily Hammer, your daily news source when it comes to the Atlanta Braves as part of the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name is Sean Coleman. Hope wherever you are and wherever you are listening, you are having a wonderful start to your Saturday, a special Saturday edition of the Daily Hammer. And it's always good to podcast after the Braves get a needed win, a 10-7 victory to start their homestand over the Milwaukee Brewers on Friday night. Of course, you can find the Daily Hammer, the Battery Power Podcast, and the podcast to be named later, all at BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSBN, across all forms of social media, and free on all podcast platforms. Wherever you choose to listen, that's where we'll be for free. Just hit that subscribe button, and you'll get the latest content when it's available. My name's Sean Coleman. You can find me at StatsSAC on Twitter. When it comes to the Braves, here's the latest from Atlanta. And that's the that, that's the exact thing that I'll start with, is that the latest from Atlanta is that I have to feel the Braves are glad to be back in Atlanta. A pretty tough end to the road trip in Boston. Uh, a series that, a two-game series that with Charlie Morton and Spencer Strider on the mound, the Braves had to feel confident that they would at least get a split, or more than likely get two wins, but they did not, they wound up not winning either game. Uh, you know, the offense struggled, the pitching staff overall struggled, and and that's what the Braves were hoping to find. They were hoping to start to find some consistency both for their offense and for their pitching staff against a familiar opponent in the Brewers on Friday night as they came back home for another weekend series against Milwaukee. Again, just last weekend, the Braves played in Milwaukee against the Brewers, and they were facing a familiar foe in Adrian Hauser, who had some pretty good success last weekend when he faced the Braves in Milwaukee. And of course, the other noteworthy factor on Friday night in, in Friday night's game was the fact that you know veteran starter slash reliever Yanni Chirinos would be making his Braves debut in the starting rotation after the Braves had got him from the Tampa Bay Rays last Sunday. Yanni Chirinos stepping into the starting rotation, facing off against the Brewers, and I think when it came to the Braves' goal for Chirinos, and Brian Snicker kind of alluded to this after the game, the Braves had a couple of things in mind, you know. Going four or so innings, probably being able to navigate through the Brewers' order at least twice, and keeping the Braves in the game. Those were three goals that I think the Braves had for Torinos on Friday night. And in the general scheme of things, Torinos checked all those boxes. He went three and two-thirds innings, went through the Brewers' lineup exactly two times, and when he exited the game, it was a close game. The Braves were definitely in the game. However... While in the general scheme of things, he did his job, I think it would be a stretch that it was a successful start for Torinos. On the night, three and two-thirds innings pitched, 
Six hits, four earned runs, three strikeouts, one walk. And the game had kind of gone back and forth. You know, the Brewers went up 2-0, then Orlando Arcia got a big two-run hit to make the score 2-2. Then in the top of the fourth is really where Torinos ran into trouble. He loaded the bases with zero outs in the top of the fourth inning, but then got two big outs until the Brewers were able to connect for a two-run double to make the score 4-3, and that is when Torinos exited the game. So it was back and forth. The Braves, once again, were trying to work their way through a starter that was struggling to start the game, but the offense was starting to show a little bit of life. But in that bottom of the fourth inning is really when it seemed like the Braves offense just said enough. We need to get going and we need to get going now, and that's exactly what they did. A Marcelo Zuna home run in the bottom of the fourth was, was the second time in the game that the Braves answered back. Again, back and forth. The Brewers went up twice in the first part of the game. The Braves were able to answer back, and it was 4-4 four to four through four innings. And that's really when the Braves offense got going. After the Brewers went up 4-3 to three in the top of the fourth inning, the Braves scored seven unanswered runs. The Marcelo Zuna home run, Ozzy Albies with an RBI single, Matt Olson with a sacrifice fly. Later on in the game, Austin Riley and Matt Olson back-to-back home runs, and then eventually Eddie Rosario, a two-run hit himself. Before you know it, the score is 10-4. to Later on in the game, the Brewers would add a three-run home run to kind of make it interesting, but the Braves just seemed to remain in control, and they got a needed 10-7 win. And the big thing overall, obviously, is the fact that the offense returned to form. You don't expect for this team to consistently score 10 runs a night, but I would suggest that the Braves, maybe more than any other major league offense, you are the least surprised that the Braves are the team that's scoring 10 runs in a game with how awesome of an offense they showed they were capable of having in June and early July. So it was especially good to see the offense going. It was also great to see both Matt Olson and Austin Riley providing production in the same game, back-to-back home runs. Both have had, you know, good stretches so far in the second half of the season, but Austin Riley, he's been very, very good in the second half of the season. Matt Olson got off to a great start, went through a bit of a rut over the past few games, but he had two RBIs, including a home run on the night. So the middle of the Braves order did very well. The bottom of the Braves order is what we'll discuss in just a moment, but that really was the catalyst for the success for the Braves on Friday night. But one of the more important takeaways from Friday night centers on the Braves pitching. Because on the surface, the Braves gave up seven runs to a Brewers offense that I don't think anyone would really consider to be one of the best in Major League Baseball. But I think that it's important to differentiate what sources gave up those runs. In the four innings that Yanni Chirinos and Ben Heller pitched on Friday night, that is when the Brewers scored their seven runs. And right now, the Braves are just having to rely on Less than talented arms, you know, still talented arms, obviously, but less talented arms than they, you know, want to be able to use because of all the injuries that they're dealing with. And I think because you're seeing less talented arms right now in bigger roles, that is what's having the most impact on the Braves' pitching struggles in July. That's just common sense. But I bring it up because Friday night, I think, provides a great example of despite the Braves' pitching struggles so far in the month of July and the injuries that they're dealing with, it's still important to note that some of the Braves' most important arms are continuing to be successful. Again, for instance, on Friday night, Yanni Torinos, Ben Heller, they, those are the two arms that gave up the seven runs in the four innings they pitched. But in the five innings that Colin McHugh, Pierce Johnson, Joe Jimenez, Kirby Yates, and Rysel Iglesias pitched, 
No runs were given up. Those five relievers came in and did their job and did their job well. And when you look at the larger body of work, Joe Jimenez and Kirby Yates continue good stretches of solid production out of the bullpen in June into July. Pierce Johnson had an excellent bounce-back performance in his second Braves appearance after struggling in his Braves debut. Rysel Iglesias has looked like him normal self. He's been very productive in the closer's role over the past few weeks. So without a doubt, the Braves' pitching struggles in the month of July are certainly relevant. The pitching needs to continue to be the focus in terms of potential trades as well as it being critical to get some of the arms off the injured list back healthy into the Braves' pitching staff for this pitching staff to truly be where we all hope it can be. But I do think that it is also important to create context that a lot of the struggles have come from sources that the Braves are utilizing right now that they won't be relying upon as the season progresses. Yanni Chirinos and Ben Heller. Ben Heller has been very good in terms of the role that he's been used and in terms of his expectations so far this season. But when it comes to Yanni Chirinos and Ben Heller, those are not going to be arms that the Braves are going to rely upon as more important games happen as this season progresses. Colin McHugh, Joe Jimenez, Kirby Yates, as well as Pierce Johnson and Rysel Iglesias, those are arms that the Braves are going to rely upon in those more important games. So it's good to see that those arms are continuing to perform well, even though overall the pitching is struggling. So that's a reason why I think it's important to keep things in context. Even though the Braves pitching overall right now is struggling, the most important arms that are being utilized right now that will continue to be utilized even as some arms come back from injury and trades are made, those most important arms right now are continuing to do well, and that's why confidence should remain that times will get better and hopefully significant better when it comes to the Braves pitching production as the season moves along. But I think the most important takeaway of all from Friday night was the fact that the bottom of the Braves order came alive and was the catalyst for this Braves offense returning to form. And when you look at the larger body of work, it's pretty eye-opening the correlation of how productive the bottom of the Braves lineup is, how much that correlates with winning. We'll look at that in just a Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. 
Questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the future of work, a PropG pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG pod wherever you get your podcasts. It seems as if in nearly every edition of the Daily Hammer here during the month of July, we've alluded to how important it is that you know the Braves start to get some of their most important arms that are currently on the injured list back to really help the consistency of both the starting rotation and, and the bullpen. And timing could not have been better on Friday because Brian Snicker once again delivered some positive updates on some of those most important arms currently for the Braves on the injured list, particularly Max Freed, A.J. Minter, and Kyle Wright. Of course, first is A.J. Minter, who on Friday night, he had his second rehab appearance for Gwinnett. Went one inning, gave a, or went through three batters, perfect inning, one strikeout. He looked good. It certainly seems as if A.J. Minter could be back in the Braves' bullpen in the coming days to really help out the back end of that bullpen and the overall consistency of that unit for the Braves. Of course, there was a bit of concern this week when it came to Max Reed because he missed his fourth rehab start schedule, I believe back on Wednesday, due to an illness. It was Wednesday or Thursday. The good news is, is that that's all it was, was just simply an illness, and Max Reed will be back on the mound for his fourth rehab start this afternoon. It will be very, very important to see how he performs. Will he need another rehab start after that? Could he potentially be an option for the Braves in the rotation next week? That'll all be determined after he makes his start on Saturday. And then for Kyle Wright, more continuation of news that we've gotten in the past few weeks. He's looked good in his bullpen sessions. It looks like a general target date for him to potentially be back in Atlanta will be early September. But of course, before that, putting together a rehab schedule for him himself Hopefully starting over the next couple of weeks in August, that'll definitely be something to watch as well. When will Kyle Wright return to the mound for rehab starts to hopefully be back in Atlanta by early September? So not a lot of, you know, true updates, but again, just continued positive updates are what matters. And it definitely does seem as if over the next couple of weeks, we could see both A.J. Minter and Max Freed back in Atlanta with the Braves. But shifting back to last night's game against the Brewers, I don't want to put too much emphasis on one game, but I think Friday night was such a good representation of some things that stand out about this Braves team, both last year and this year. I think that two things that that can be said with confidence since the start of the 2022 season for the Braves is that they have had two incredible stretches of winning from June 1st through the rest of the 2022 season, and then between June 1st and the All-Star break of this year, the Braves won at like a, above a 70% clip. That's how good of baseball they have played over those two time spans. And I also think that another thing that definitely could be said with confidence is that this Braves team hits left-handers better than they do right-handers. And I mention that because what stands out about this Braves team about when they're winning at an incredible clip versus when they're not, a lot of it for the offense comes down to how they're doing against right-handed pitching, especially the bottom of the order. Because it's very, very eye-opening to see how strong of a correlation there is between how good the Braves' bottom of the order is producing against right-handed pitching and how often the Braves are winning. Consider this. 
When you take the Braves' six, seven, eight, and nine hitters as a collective group this season against right-handed pitching, and for the Braves, that's mostly been some combination of Marcelo Zuna, Eddie Rosario, Orlando Arcia, and Michael Harris II. But when you take the bottom of the order, the six, seven, eight, nine hitters as a collective group of the Braves, and you compare it to the rest of Major League Baseball, all the other MLB teams, bottom of the orders, their six, seven, eight, nine hitters as a collective group. Here's how the Braves' bottom of the order has ranked compared to the rest of Major League Baseball against right-handed pitching by month this year. In March and April, the bottom of the Braves' order had a 75 WRC+. That was 19th in baseball, but the Braves ran, wanted a pretty good clip because the top of the order was so good. We all know that the Braves had a very similar May as they are to July. They struggled through much of May, and it's because the bottom of the order struggled. A 65 WRC plus in the month of May from the Braves' bottom of the order, which was 25th in baseball. So again, the Braves played 500 ball. It was because they had one of the worst bottom of the orders in terms of offensive production in the game. Now, remember when the Braves took off on June 1st? They were playing incredible baseball. They had the most productive bottom of the order offensively in the game. A 160 WRC plus just incredible production from the bottom of the order and it makes sense with how good Eddie Rosario, Marcelo Zuna, Michael Harrison, Orlando Arcia were for much of June. They all performed well and that had a huge impact on the Braves winning at an incredible clip. So again you see the correlation between when the bottom of the Braves order is productive how big it is for the Braves to win frequently. But then now back in July when we're seeing them start to struggle Big reason why is because the bottom of the order once again has struggled for much of the month of July. A 69 WRC plus, which is 25th in baseball. But Friday night shows how good the Braves offense is when the bottom of its order is producing. And last year proves that this is a trend that has continued now for two years. Because when the Braves were winning in an incredible clip from June 1st to the end of last year in 2022... The Braves' bottom of the order was the second best bottom of the order in terms of offensive production against right-handed pitching in baseball over that time span. So it's eye-opening, but it seems to be a valid truth that how well the Braves' bottom of the order does against right-handed pitching has a big impact on how frequently they're going to win. The numbers over the past two years prove that to be true. So I bring this up because as we're seeing the trade deadline come in to more clear focus. As we're getting closer to next Tuesday's trade deadline, I think it's pretty important for the Braves to see if they can find an additional option that could be that especially could be productive against right-handed pitching. Now, that's going to be easier said than done. There are not a lot of sellers out there right now. And those that are selling, those that are selling bats that are productive against right-handed pitching, any contender could use that. But I think if the Braves could find another option that could make the bottom of the order consistent, because again, while it's pretty clear that the bottom of the Braves order, how well they perform, has a significant impact on how the Braves perform overall, the bottom of the order has been pretty inconsistent. They've either been near the top of baseball for much of last year and in June of this year, or near the bottom of baseball in, in April and May and July. 
So some more consistency from the bottom of the order, I think seems to be a pretty big need for this Braves team. I don't think it's as big of a need as pitching. I definitely think the Braves need to get another arm or two, but I definitely think that if the right deal came to them, the Braves should pounce on an option that could help the bottom of the order be more consistent against right-handed pitching. Because if the Braves could be league average or better for the rest of the season and into the playoffs in terms of their bottom of the order offensive production against right-handed pitching, the numbers speak for themselves with how big of an impact that could make on the Braves once again consistently winning at an elite rate. So, of course, off the field, any potential moves that the Braves could be rumored to make or that they'll actually make will certainly be, you know, at the front of the headlines over the next coming days until Tuesday's trade deadline. But to me, of most importance to the Braves in the immediate future is simply getting a series win. And that's what they could do against Milwaukee for the second straight weekend on Saturday. And hey, We've been here before. Last Sunday, it was Julio Tehran, former Brave, facing his former team. Did very well in his outing. Julio Tehran once again against Bryce Elder. The big story from last Sunday's game was a bounce-back performance from Bryce Elder, but also Ozzie Albies hitting another go-ahead three-run home run. It seems like he's done that multiple times this year. Did it against the Mets, probably has done it one or two other times. But the Braves were able to win 4-2 thanks to a late game go-ahead three-run home run from Ozzie Albies. But before that, it was a really good pitching matchup between Tehran, who's been absolutely awesome for the Brewers so far this season, and Bryce Elder. And of particular interest in this start will be Bryce Elder. He'll be facing a lineup for a second straight start. How will Bryce Elder succeed now that this Milwaukee lineup has seen him before and recently? Because, again, with Bryce Elder, he's been absolutely incredible this season. But we've seen him work through the expected regression that that many of us, you know, thought was going to come at some point. It definitely has come in the month of July. One of the biggest reasons why is because Bryce Elder has allowed four home runs this month. He allowed four home runs in the month of June. So he's allowed eight home runs total over his past two months. He only allowed four home runs total in March, April, and May. So teams are starting to make harder contact, and they're starting to figure out how to put the ball in the air more against Bryce Elder. He's given up four home runs over his past three starts. Can Bryce Elder limit the walks and limit the hard contact and keep the ball in the ballpark? That, to me, is going to be one of the bigger storylines of this game. And also, can the bottom of the Braves order simply put together two back-to-back games of productive at-bats? Can they, once again, be the catalyst for giving the Braves an early lead for Bryce Elder to work with, and that should make it easier for Bryce Elder to put together two back-to-back starts? A great opportunity for the Braves to get a series win. Bryce Elder to get a good streak going once again when it comes to his pitching and this Braves offense to start to get some consistency as well. So, of course, plenty to talk about. Now and in the coming days as the 2023 trade deadline is just mere days away. And we'll have you fully covered here across any and every platform that you see when it comes to BatteryPower.com. At BatteryPower.com, at BatteryPowerSPN, across all forms of social media, you'll get off the video, digital, audio, and written content that you could see when it comes to any potential rumors and actual moves that the Braves may make. And of course, we'll have you covered here on 
the Battery Power Podcast Network. I'll be back with you Sunday night into Monday as well as Monday night into Tuesday covering the Braves action and also potential any potential news that comes down the pipe when it comes to the Braves. And then Brad Rowland and Scott Coleman will be with you with a special edition of the Battery Power Podcast next Tuesday for a trade deadline review. Stephen Tolbert, Scott Coleman, others will be joining me. If there is any big news, if there's any reason for emergency podcasts, they'll all be joining me this weekend heading into next week as well. Exciting times ahead for the Braves. Hopefully that also goes along with them getting back to their winning ways on the field. And we'll have it all for you here on the Battery Power Podcast Network. My name's Sean Coleman. Until next time, go Braves. We'll talk to you again soon here on the Daily Hammer.